Hello and welcome or welcome back to the Baked Bookworm Podcast. I'm your host, Taylor, and this is the podcast where we talk about books on a higher level. Welcome back. It is Wednesday and this is my first official day of having a schedule set for the podcast. So you can look for episodes every Wednesday here at the Baked Bookworm on Spotify, Amazon, Apple, And I've also seen on my analytics that it's on some other podcast um, places, so that's awesome as well. Um, So, I'm super excited to be back for another episode. Thank you so much for being here to listen. And today, I want to talk about the books that I'm currently reading, and then I also want to talk about cannabis prohibition, legality, and some pros of you know, legalizing cannabis nationwide. So I'm super excited to get into today's episode. So let's get started. Today I am smoking on some Melanata, which is a hybrid sativa dominant strain. It's high in caryophyllene, which if you remember from our lesson on terpenes in a previous episode, that is our peppery terpene that has anti-inflammatory benefits, which is really awesome. So I'm super excited to talk about the books that I'm reading today. Um, So I thought I would be done with both of these books by this episode, but unfortunately I am not done yet. Um, So um, I'm just going to talk about what I've read so far. So right now I'm reading East of Eden by John Steinbeck, which I'm loving, and also Black Cake by Charmaine Wilkerson, which I'm also loving. So let's talk about Black Cake first. This book is so, so interesting. So we're following two brothers, a brother and a sister, Benny and Byron um, Bennett. And Benny was estranged from her family um, until she finds out that her mother passed away and she has to go to the funeral for her mother. Her father is already deceased, so she has to see her brother for the first time, and she didn't get to say goodbye to her mother, which is really sad. They meet their mother's lawyer to go over her will and things like that, and they find out that she has left them a recording to listen to, and she's also left them a Caribbean black rum cake in the freezer that they have to listen to the recording together and then eat the black cake when they know the time is right Um, and she says that they will know when the time is right so she proceeds to tell them the story of her life and about their lives as well I do want to say that I tend to put a lot of spoilers in these episodes so if you are interested in reading this book and you don't want any spoilers um i will leave a timestamp for you when i'm done talking about black cake if you don't want to hear any spoilers about black cake and then i'll also leave a timestamp when i'm done talking about east of eden so that you can skip um so that you can hear the synopsis and then skip the spoilers so just letting you know that from now on this point until the timestamp that I leave in the description I will be giving spoilers about black cake so what I've read so far is their mother is actually from an island Um, it doesn't specify which island but it's in the Caribbean and 
she escaped from the island when she was a really young girl. Um, she was actually forced to marry this man because her father had a gambling addiction. So she was forced to marry this man. She didn't want to marry him. He ends up dying at their um, reception for their wedding. And she escapes and runs away and starts her life in England. And then eventually she gets a job in America and she is unfortunately um, raped by her boss and she has a baby and that baby um, is taken away from her. She's coerced into giving it up for adoption, which is so sad. And she doesn't, you know, she doesn't know what happened to the baby for all these years. Then she ends up meeting the love of her life who actually was her childhood love of her life, which is so sweet. And they end up getting married and living their life in California and raising Byron and Benny. And there's some other issues with Byron and Benny. Um, the reason that Benny ran away is because her parents didn't accept her for being a bisexual woman. Um, and so her mother's telling her story to them now. And it's just such a touching book. Um, it's really showing family dynamics. I think it's really interesting and I can't wait to read the ending. I'm hoping that they become reunited with their sister because she is a famous television chef. So that's how their mother finds her. She sees her on television and finds out that, um, her middle name is Matilda, which is what she named her when she gave her up, um, to these nuns that took the baby away. And it's just such an amazing book. So I highly recommend this book if you are interested. And it's just a great one. So highly recommend Black Cake by Charmaine Wilkerson. Now I'd like to talk about East of Eden by John Steinbeck, which is so, so good. I am loving this book and I'm taking my time with it because I'm loving it. Um, but I am about done with it. Let me see where I'm at. guys I have my book right here so that I can read you a couple passages that really struck me as interesting I am on chapter 44 of East of Eden which is so amazing I am loving it and taking my time and trying to annotate um, which I don't do a lot of I tend to just highlight things that I enjoy but I am trying to annotate and add little comments so that I can remember things and talk to you guys about them um, so I'm trying to get a little bit more into that um, but John Steinbeck's East of Eden is so good he also wrote of mice and men and the grapes of wrath I have not read grapes of wrath but I have read of mice and men and I thought it was so so sweet um, but also just really sad and heartbreaking, um, which is some of my favorite books when it's a little bit sad, but also a little bit sweet. Um, kind of like a Sour Patch Kid, I guess. A little bit sour, a little bit sweet. Um, yeah, so 
that book is really great and you can definitely read that in one sitting so if you are looking for another Steinbeck that you think um, you would like to start with Steinbeck's writing I would recommend that one as a good starting place just because it is so short um, you can't go wrong with a short novella so East of Eden is about two families um, we have the Hamilton family and the Trask family so the Hamiltons are a large and loving family and the Trasks are like a small, intense family. Um, the Hamiltons are the patriarch Samuel Hamilton, his wife Liza, and all of their children. And I cannot remember all of their children's name at this moment, but you know, there's a lot of them. And then we have the Trasks who are Adam and Charles Trask, and they were left a great sum of money by their father who passed away. It was several, I think it was a couple hundred thousand dollars, and so they had to split that, and Adam eventually moves to California, specifically Salinas, California, the Salinas Valley, and that is where he ends up living and growing um, old. The main theme in this book is good versus evil. Um, if you do not want any spoilers for this book, I would recommend skipping to the timestamp in the description below, because I will be giving a few spoilers, um, that you might not want to hear if you want to read this book. The, um, you know, background we have here, we have the Santa Lucia Mountains to the west, and we have the Galaban Mountains to the east, and the Santa Lucia Mountains to the west are dark and foreboding, and the Galaban Mountains are bright and welcoming. So we see that good versus evil in the landscape of the Salinas Valley, which is so cool how he can just make these pictures in my mind, and that is something that I love about Steinbeck's writing. And he is also very accessible. So I think if you do not read a lot of classics, Steinbeck is great because he is pretty accessible. And it really wasn't that long ago that he wrote this book. Um, so yeah, I really enjoyed this. I am still enjoying it. And um, so we have Adam. He marries this woman named Kathy, who actually has a whole lot of issues that she's running away from. Um, she actually comes to Adam, like, broken and beaten to death. And he takes her in and then wants to marry her, so she says yes. And then he takes her away to the Salinas Valley, and she ends up having twins. And these twins possibly could be his brother Charles's twins because she cheated on Adam with Charles right before they left which is insane and then the crazy part is um, after she gives birth she bites Samuel Hamilton who is trying to help her um, almost like a wolf or a demon of some sort and then she runs away and then ends up in Selena's city and runs a whorehouse and kills the madam and takes over. But nobody knows that she killed the madam. And I am just blown away by the craziness of this book, but it's so interesting. And I just want to know what happens to all of the characters because I'm just getting so attached to some of the characters. Um, so Adam has the twin boys, Cal and Aaron, which 
if you don't know anything about this book, it's often listed as like a Cain and Abel retelling, which is interesting. And if you didn't know that, then you wouldn't see the semblance of naming them Cal and Aaron. Um, but I think that something bad might happen at the end. I'm not really sure, but I'm so excited to finish reading this book because it's so, so, so good and I'm loving it so much. And I love this copy that I got. It's the um, Penguins edition. Let me see if it tells me. The John Steinbeck Centennial edition. So that's awesome. I'm really enjoying this. Um, I did want to throw in a couple of passages that I really thought were interesting. So the first one is a quote from um, page 268 of this copy and it says a great and lasting story is about everyone or it will not last and I don't know why that struck me so much but I think that that is the sign of a good story is if everyone can find it accessible and this book is definitely something that everyone can relate to because the theme is good versus evil. And actually, there is a part that I recently got to where it says the only story in the world is the story of good versus evil. And I think that's so true because if you think about every story that you've ever read, it is... <coughs> I apologize. If you think about every story you've ever read, it is a story of good and evil when it comes down to it. So I think that is so true. Another passage that I really found um, striking was a passage relating to the Bible. And um, if you don't know, there is a Chinaman. That's what they call him, a Chinaman. He's a Chinese man named Lee. Um, he's a Chinese immigrant, and he ends up living and raising the boys for Adam because Adam is just so devastated by the loss of his wife who just left him, and he thought that she loved him. So Lee um, says to Samuel, Do you remember when you read us the 16 verses of the fourth chapter of Genesis and we argued about them? And Samuel says, I do indeed, and that's a long time ago. Ten years nearly, said Lee. Well, the story bit deeply into me, and I went into it word for word. The more I thought about the story, the more profound it became to me. Then I compared the translations we have, and they were fairly close. There was only one place that bothered me. The King James Version says this, It is when Jehovah has asked Cain why he's angry. Jehovah says, If thou doest well, Shalt thou not be accepted? And if thou doest not well, sin lieth at the door. And unto thee shall be his desire, and thou shalt rule over him. It was the thou shalt that struck me, because it was a promise that Cain would conquer sin. Samuel nodded, and his children didn't do it entirely, he said. Lee sipped his coffee. Then I got a copy of the American Standard Bible. It was very new then and it was different in this passage. It says, do thou rule over him. Now this is very different. This is not a promise, it is an order. And I began to stew about it. I wondered what the original word of the original writer had been that these very different translations could be made. 
So Samuel says, Lee, don't tell me you studied Hebrew. And then Lee goes on to tell him that he did. And then he goes on to talk about how he studied with some men um, who studied Hebrew. Um, And he says, After two years, we felt that we could approach your 16 verses of the fourth chapter of Genesis. My old gentleman felt that these words were very important too. Thou shalt and do thou. And this was the gold from our mining. Thou mayest. Thou mayest rule over sin. And Samuel says, why is this word so important? And Lee says, don't you see? The American Standard Translation orders men to try over sin, and you can call sin ignorance. The King James Translation makes a promise in thou shalt, meaning that men will surely triumph over sin. But the Hebrew word, the word Tim Shell, thou mayest, that gives us a choice. It might be the most important word in the world. That says the way is open. That throws it right back on a man. For if thou mayest, it is also true that thou mayest not. Don't you see? (sighs) That passage just touches me in a way that I can't even describe. I just think that is so powerful that there's so many different translations of the Bible, which is why it's such a complex topic. But when he says thou mayest and we have a choice that is so true we do have a choice to be good or bad and we have to make that choice every single day and I just thought that passage was so amazing and I highly recommend this book to anyone I'm not finished with it yet so I will give you an update next week when I'm finished with this book officially but so far I am enjoying this book insanely I'm loving it, so highly recommend. So, let's move on to talking about cannabis prohibition along with, you know, some pros about why we should legalize cannabis. So, first you need to know the difference between prohibition, decriminalization, medical legalization, and recreational legalization. Prohibition, of course, is the complete illegalization of something. Of course, we know prohibition from the 20s when they took away alcohol, but prohibition can be for anything. So, currently, cannabis is prohibited because it is nationwide federally illegal. Then we have decriminalization. That is where they say that you cannot be penalized for drug use or something. So say they decriminalize marijuana in your city. That means that you will not get arrested for having marijuana or possessing marijuana. You will just get a fine like it's a misdemeanor. Medical legalization is where it's legalized for certain medical 
use. So you have a certain medical condition that requires you to have cannabis to help you with your disease. And then recreational use is where something is legalized for adults only. So you would be technically in our country, you would be 21 to use cannabis if it is legalized in your area. So let's briefly go over cannabis prohibition again. So we all know that cannabis has been used for thousands of years. Seeds can be eaten. The fibers can be used for textiles. The buds can be used for medicine. Um, But it was not always this way. In 1611, King James I decreed that all colonists must grow hemp because it could be used for textiles. And then in 1839, William O'Shaughnessy brought cannabis to medical practitioners as a medicine, and their products became popular. Around 1910, Mexicans started coming to the U.S., and their culture was coming with them as well, and weed was a big part of their culture. White politicians who made these Mexicans look bad associated marijuana with them. They essentially said that anyone who smokes this plant will, you know, be a bad person, like the Mexicans that keep coming over to this country. I don't know why there's so much stigma against Mexicans dating back to 1910, but there is, and it's still around today, and it's ridiculous and insane. In 1913, Cali became the first state to outlaw the plant, which is so interesting because they're also one of the first states to legalize medical marijuana. In 1939, or in 1930, excuse me, 29 states followed suit and outlawed cannabis, and that is when the Federal Bureau of Narcotics was created. And William Randolph Hearst said the plant caused black people and Mexicans to commit crimes. So if you used cannabis, you were more likely to commit crimes. Reefer Madness comes out in 1936, which is a cannabis film (laughs) about the dangers of smoking cannabis and how it can affect you. In 1937, the Marijuana Tax Act was created and taxed anyone caught using the plant up to $2,000 or five years in jail, which is ridiculous. And then in 1951, Congressman Hale Boggs passed the Boggs Act, which made drug offenses have mandatory sentences, which is, again, ridiculous. And then in 1970, Nixon passed the Controlled Substances Act. He calls cannabis public enemy number one. Or drugs, excuse me, not just cannabis, drugs, public enemy number one. And there were five categories of drugs. Cannabis was a schedule one, which is considered dangerous with high potential for abuse. In ni- in, by 2010... of drug arrests are for marijuana possession. States waste an estimated $3.5 billion each year enforcing marijuana laws. 
In 2012, Colorado and Washington become the first states to legalize cannabis, although in 1996, California became the first to approve medical cannabis. So California went from being the first to prohibit cannabis in 1913 to being the first to legalize medical marijuana in 1996. And then today, we have legalized cannabis in several states. And we also have medical marijuana in quite a few states. So we're really, we have come a long way and I'm excited to see how much farther we can go. Um, Some pros of legalizing cannabis would be reduced court costs because you wouldn't have to pay for the courts to penalize people for marijuana possession. We could just, you know, let them go and let them enjoy something. Um, billions in tax revenue would come our way because people are going to start buying cannabis from dispensaries as opposed to um, buying it on the streets and decreased cannabis prices because again we're buying it from dispensaries and we can produce more and more jobs for people um, which is always a good thing more jobs so I am loving all of these books that I talked about today and I am just so excited to see where we go in terms of cannabis legalization in the coming years. I think we have a long way to go but I think we can get there as long as we are educating ourselves and that is my goal with this podcast is to hopefully educate someone who doesn't know much about cannabis and would like to learn more And I just want to prove to people that you can be a productive pothead. And that is my number one goal, is to prove that you can be a productive pothead and you can enjoy something and still be a good person and a good member of society. So thank you so much for listening. I am so excited to be here again. And I thank you so much if you are listening. Please reach out to me on Instagram or TikTok at The Baked Bookworm. I'd love to hear from you. And please leave the show a rating. It means a lot to me and it helps the show so much. Um, So thank you. And I'm so happy to be here. Have a great day. Stay high. Bye.